Good morning. Let me see if I can't. I think we're good. Oh, yeah. That's talent. Then I look much better now. Someone right now. Um, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn. We're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 16. But I just wanted to use this opportunity to um, say, I know we're going to hear some things about um, our potential pastor and uh, one of the things I was thinking about before I got up here was, like, this could be the last time that I get to preach to y'all if we have a senior pastor come, and uh, it might be a while. And when I first started preaching on Sunday, one of the things I noticed was it was very nerve-wracking, um, and so I never got comfortable with it, which I think is a good thing, but um, within that, um, it's bittersweet. Yeah, and I've, I've learned to never take this pulpit for granted. So I just wanted to say thank you for um, just supporting me and bearing with me as I continue to grow as a minister and as I um, continue to preach God's word. And, and during this time, I wanted to talk about essential leadership. Um, during quarantine, one of the biggest things to determine um, businesses and their hours was whether or not they were essential. As you can tell, um, I'm a little, getting a little afro-y, so I need to go to the barbershop, but a barbershop was not an option at a certain point it was, because it was considered non-essential. Um, you couldn't go eat at a restaurant because restaurants were really closed. And praise the Lord, we had Chick-fil-A in the drive-thru because um, how would we make it through this time? Um, it was really hard to not see people. I know it's been very hard for me to just miss out on youth things and just spending time with people at church. And um, I'm very grateful that graduations were happening this week, but it was just very different. And um, as a church... You know, we would say that it's essential to have a pastor, and so trying to figure that out and try to figure out leadership and try to figure out how do I move forward. But what happens when you label yourself to be non-essential? What happens when you determine that your value and your worth to be used by God is impossible? Maybe you think the thoughts, God couldn't use someone like me. Or um, maybe you actually believe that you can't be used because you feel inadequate or disqualified. And I just want to ask you that, like, is that something that you really believe? Like, do you think that God can't use you? And it doesn't necessarily have to be in a church, but just in any role, in a job, um, in our community. We need men and women. We need young and old. We need boys and girls who will be willing to be led by Christ and to be willing to lead in leadership for his glory. And so when we were doing discipleship, um, the story of David being called to be king was the first thing that stepped out to me. And so um, this is we're, we're going to be looking at verses 6 through 13. And if you're not familiar with this, um, just to kind of preface the things that are going on, um, Samuel um, was a prophet, and the people were wanting a king, and so he goes and finds a king, and the first king that he finds is King Saul, not New Testament Saul, Old Testament Saul, and he was the man that God chose to lead the people. Well, Saul falls into sin, but rather than repent, he refuses to repent, but he still desires the blessing of God, and so what happens is God's blessing on Saul is taken away and so now God has called Samuel to find a new king. And I firmly believe that 
Saul was called to be king, but in his sin, God could not continue to use him. And so then we're about to be introduced to, to David as a boy. And so let's start in verse 6. And it says this, it says, When they came, they looked at Elab and thought, Surely this is the Lord's anointed before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and he was beautiful, and he had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this time. Um, it's just an exciting day to be in your house. And God, I pray that you would open up our hearts to hear your word and to, to apply it to our lives. God, I pray that there is sin that is hindering us from experiencing you, God, that we would ask for your forgiveness before we move forward in this, this time of worship. I pray that you would use my words to speak truth to our congregation. I pray that you would um, be with everything going on today. You would gain glory from it all. In Jesus' name. Amen. And so the first thing I want us to see about essential leadership is this, is that leadership, um, essential leadership is leadership that seeks God over self. And so what I mean by seeking God, it means to know him. It means to grow in him in intimacy. You cannot grow in intimacy with God by serving. You grow by seeking. And I think that's very important um, because I think a lot of times we think, well, I'll just serve because God is leading me to. And, and that's great. I'm not, I'm not missing. I don't want us to miss out that serving isn't important because it is important. However, I think that if we are not in a place to seek God for ourselves, then our service to him is in vain. In verse 13, David had um, we, how the Spirit rushed upon David. I think that something stuck out about David. And David had to have known God in a personal way um, to be led to Spirit-filled action. Something was different about David, and it was, it was a good different. And, and I think it's important for all of us to understand that seeking God results in life change. You can't seek God and, and walk away the same. Like you can't encounter his, his glory and his greatness and walk away and, and live in sin. It's just impossible. Like you don't want to. It's not in you. You, you, you want to seek God more than you want to seek yourself. I remember I had a D now. I share this story all the time. I was actually here and I was counseling with a student. And um, this student, I forget his name, but he would constantly say, I, I know I'm saved. Um, but I, I just, I don't, 
I just don't feel God in my life right now. And I think that's a dangerous place to be when, you, when you're trying to feel God, right? And so it seems like it's a more emotional experience. But we started to counsel, and I remember asking him, well, let me ask you something. What's your prayer life like? Oh, I, I, I barely pray. Okay, well, what's your quiet time? Like when you, when you read the Bible, what's that like? Oh, I don't really read my Bible. Well, yeah, I know you don't go to church here, but when you're at your home church, you know, are you active? No, not really. And so I said, okay. And so I tried to explain to this young man that, that he was missing out on God, that he didn't understand God, that he couldn't feel the presence of God working in his life, and so he felt hopeless, but it was all because he was not doing his part to engage in intimacy and to seek out God for his life. And church, don't miss this. You cannot lead. You cannot pour out in service. You can't, you can't expect God to move in your life if you're first not approaching him. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you, it says in the scriptures. And when we do that, we have an attitude, we have a heart that is teachable because we want God's best for our lives. And we're allowing him to pour wisdom and truth into our lives. God calls us to love him first before we go out and serve. The second thing I want us to see is that essential leadership is leadership that serves God over self. And so out of the, out of the overflow of our worship, out of the overflow of us seeking God, as David was seeking God, we just naturally want to serve. It's a part of, of our identity. It's a part of our, our, what we do to glorify God. David was in the middle of a faithful service when he was summoned by Samuel. And it wasn't a church job, right? Which is cool. He was just being a shepherd. And I just think it's so great that God can be honored even by our worldly and our secular professions, right? Like, that's totally fine. I was always told that if you're going to be a plumber and you're a Christian, be the most godly plumber that, you'll, that anyone will ever encounter, right? Um, David had this attitude that he was willing to be led to go wherever God was calling him. And I just love that about him. Some of y'all know that I was in Hebrew. I survived Hebrew this past year, so now I've got Greek coming up. Um, but, in, but in chapter 12, um, it says this. It says, and he sent, or in verse 11, excuse me. Um, it says, and then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And, it, and he said, there yet remains the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. That Hebrew word for youngest means, it's, it's, it's pronounced hakatan. And some of my students are probably laughing at this because I actually taught them what the word hakatan means. It means worthless one. And so David was considered the, the worthless one. And I, and I can only imagine, given the context, he was the youngest, he was out keeping sheep. He was, just, he was the last one to be chosen on the bench. He was the last one to be picked on the team, right? He was considered the worthless one. And, and maybe it could have been because of his mannerisms and what he brought to the table. He was I mean, around, around 12, 14 years old. He was known as a dancer, right? Which, I'm not going to dance up here, but, like, y'all would probably think I was weird if I was just a dancer, right? Some of y'all do think I'm weird. But um, he had the lowly job of shepherd. He was very sensitive. We see all these passages where he's just crying out to God. He's very emotional, and so I can see where in that context, especially when, we, when you have this context of what does it mean to be a man in the faith, and then you're, you, 
you are emotional and, and you're lowly, and I can see where he wasn't the ideal candidate. But however, what stood out about David was that he was a seeker of God and that he served whenever the opportunity arose. And it's important to understand that God doesn't call you to lead based on your gifts. The important thing is this, is that he calls you to first know him, and serving is secondary to knowing him. And that was really hard for me when I first was called to ministry, because I thought, there's no way you would use me. Even sometimes in this church, I'm like, God, there's no way that you could use me. You know, he continually does so. God equips the saints to do the work that he is called them to do, even when it seems hard. In college, during spring break, they have these things called go trips. And I'm not sure if I've shared this story in here before, but um, in go trips, um, you, you, you raise funds to go, and they have select trips. So it might be in Honduras, it might be in Tampa, it might be in Utah, just wherever. And for my freshman year, I always thought there's no way I could ever afford to go on those. Financially, I was not in a place where I could do that. I was barely affording to go to a school that was $30,000 a year and all these different things. And I remember my junior year, I had, had um, fussed over people in, in spiritual life because they wanted me to go, and I was just like, I can't go, it's impossible. And I approached one of my, in one of my physical education classes, um, um, Coach K was talking about these go trips. I remember thinking in my mind, here we go, I'm not going to be able to go on one of these trips, blah, 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 because of finances. Just thought it, didn't even say it. And Coach K said, if you think that the reason why you shouldn't go on one of these go trips, these mission trips, because of finances, then that is not a biblical reason not to go because the Bible says that if God calls you to go, he will provide. And that got my attention real quick. And as I prayed about it, I felt convicted, and I sought one of these go trips and had a heart for one that was in Guatemala but wasn't able to go on that. Um, you pick your top five choices, and then they, they put you in one. Well, we were put in Tampa, Florida. My trip was about $1,000. And I remember thinking, like, oh, I'm just going to write letters and raise all these funds, and everything will be good. Well, I ended up writing 20, 30 letters and didn't receive any financial support. And I thought... I know God's calling me to go on this trip, but yet it has not worked out in my favor. And just kind of progressively, uh, just in time, the, the first payment was due, and I had the money um, because I was working. I was like, okay, well, I'll just pay this amount. And then the second payment came around, and I had it. And someone donated a little bit to me, but for the most part, I paid for about 90% of the trip, and that was so cool to me because where I felt helpless and where I thought, there's no way I can do that, God, God made a way, and he provided because I was faithful to seek him. And don't miss this, church. God provides opportunity for those who will faithfully walk with him and seek him. He opened up a door for me to serve one that I didn't think was possible. And that trip was uh, a staple to my faith in how I serve and how I reach out to people. I mean, it was incredible. And I had limited myself based on my ability and my, my time and my resources. And God said, no, that's not, that's not a solid reason. Serve God over self. And I want us to look at the last thing which says this. Essential leadership is leadership that submits to God over self. So the first thing we saw was, was seek God over self, serve God over self was the second thing. The last thing is that submits to God over self. 
David was not qualified by man's standards to be the next king. He, he was a 12 or 13-year-old boy. Can you imagine a 12-year-old president? <laughs> Whoa. That'd be wild. But he was qualified by God's standards, even at such a young age. And one of the key things about David was that I think that he was submissive to God. Maybe there was something else about him. Maybe it was because he was young. I don't know what it was, but regardless, God called and he answered. Isn't it weird how sometimes our agenda interferes with God's will for our lives? It's so easy to get tied down by our personal hopes and goals and dreams and then to, to compare that to God's will. And sometimes we feel like, well, I can't serve God and serve myself. So we're forced to choose between one or the other. I, in discipleship a few weeks ago, one of my students, we were talking about leadership. And a lot of my students didn't feel like, like they could be in positions of leadership. And I said, why is that? And one of them very honestly just said, I just want to do what I want to do. And it wasn't that they were rebelling, but they were just saying, I don't know what God's going to call me to, but I would just rather seek comfort and just kind of do just kind of the normal thing. How relatable is that? To just do the normal thing, to do the comfortable thing. Are you afraid to lead because it's going to cost you comfort, because it's going to cost you time, because it's going to cost you finances? If someone comes to know the Lord, is it not worth it? Is all the money in the world worth a soul? I would say not. I think souls are priceless. Knowing Jesus, having a, that personal relationship with him is worth more than anything that this world has to offer. God, who gives us everything, will continue to give to you and sustain you whenever you are submitting to him. But that sacrifice might hurt, church. But I just have to constantly remind myself that God is faithful. He sees you where you are, and he knows your needs, and he constantly provides. Submitting yourself to God's purposes is more satisfying than anything in this life. Um, I wrote down a lot of students' names as I was thinking about this. Old students, not any students from here. Nick Struby, Brody Starnes, Laura Armstrong, Alexandria Von Thun, Kaylin Knight, some of our students in this church, particularly the ones that I walk in discipleship with, kids who are now called to ministry, kids who are now married and serving the Lord in different areas of life. And I remember, I mean, it's been about some of the longest relationship I have with some of these is almost 15 years, and some of them it's as short as six years. But it is so, I can't explain like my heart when I think about where they were and where God has brought them because they were faithful to seek after God. And now they're called to ministry. And some of them are, are leading their own youth now, or they're in seminary, they're doing these things. All because I was privileged to play a part in their life and to point them to Christ, along with other leaders in the church, along with their Sunday school teachers, along with the pastors of the church, along with whoever. And don't miss this, church. Submitting to God could lead to life change solely because you were faithful to lead and to answer the call. That you said to God, here I am, use me for your glory, because my glory comes second 
to yours. And so I want to challenge you today, church, in three ways. The first thing I want to challenge you with is I want you to seek God and equip yourself, not just for leadership, but just to know God. Because if anything else, that's what we are called to do. We are called to worship him. I hope that we understand that we don't gather in this place to have fellowship with one another, but we gather in this place because we want to worship God. And I hope that is solely our intentions for being here. The second thing I want to challenge you to do is to serve God. There are so many individuals in this church who I just look at and I just like, oh, like you have so much potential to lead and, to, and, and people look up to you. There, and there's always areas of service that are in need. Just in Stacy and Daniel's areas, they need workers all the time. I'm always begging for people to come alongside youth. I know Charlie probably needs help. Bill probably needs help. Second Timothy 2, 2 says this, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. I think sometimes but we don't feel like we have what it takes to teach someone. I'm here to tell you that there is so much potential in this church, especially, hopefully, with this upcoming season. How great would that be to almost come into this, this place and then the fall, and, and Lord willing, we don't know, hopefully we're back to a normal, to just honor God by not only leading, but equipping the next generation of leaders. I want to be a part of something like that, church. And the last thing, Submit to God's ways above your own. You'll know when something in your life is in line with what God wants for your life because if you rebel against that, you will feel a conviction that is only brought on by the Holy Spirit. You will constantly be reflecting on your life and you will constantly desire accountability to guide you to know what God is calling you to do. Y'all with me, church? I want to go into a time of prayer. And we don't necessarily have a formal invitation, right? But I want to challenge you to reflect on the things that I have challenged you with today. Where are you at with the Lord? If you're serving, are you getting tired? I just want to encourage you that, that the Lord sees you and he has not forgotten you but to persevere and to keep on serving. Maybe you're not in that area of service. Maybe the first thing that you need to do is you need to have a personal relationship with Christ. And you can do that right where you're sitting. If you're online, there is people who, are, who you can um, seek out. I think there will be an option that, that will say live prayer or that you can say, I want to talk with somebody. And there's people waiting online to talk with you right then and there. Please take advantage of the opportunity. Maybe you just need to reflect and just kind of reevaluate your priorities. Y'all know that I love our students, but I'm going to tell you, I think a lot of times there's too much faith in me to pour into our students one hour a week to talk about the hard things, to talk about what's going on in our world today. That cannot be a one-liner conversation that we have on a Wednesday night church. That has to be throughout the week. Through the, primary, through the primary disciples of our kids, which is you. Or grandparents being another primary disciple of your grandchildren. 
We've got to lead them well because if they don't learn from us, they're going to learn from the world. And we can't have that. So as we pray and go into a song, um, reflect, think, see God where you are. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for this time. God, I thank you so much for this church. God, I pray that our desire would be to know you. I pray for the lives in our community or in our church who don't know you, God. I pray that you would humble them and allow them to understand that you love them more than anything else, that you sent your son to die on the cross so that you could know them intimately. And God, I pray that our service and I pray that, that everything else in our life doesn't matter until we get that one thing right, that we get that one relationship down that matters. Maybe there's some who have a head knowledge of Jesus, but they've never, made, they've never connected to, that, to their heart, God. Humble us today. God, I pray that as we continue to worship you during this time, that we would be transparent with you, that we would be honoring to you, and that we would submit, submit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen.